everybody. It's Sherry. I am back again. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you listen to The Writing Glitch. Did you know I'm an occupational therapist? You probably heard me last time, but hey, that's okay. I'm also recovering dysgraphic. I don't know if you realize that or not. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but I struggled my entire life with writing, and I think that's one of the reasons that this is such a passion for me. I want to welcome you today to The Writing Glitch, Hacking Dysgraphia, No Pencil Required. Now, before we get started with our interview today, I want you to imagine something. Imagine your um, kindergarten or second grade student somewhere in that vicinity, and somebody hands you a piece of paper, and you're supposed to write your name on it. But the lines on there, there's three of them, but the lines are all over the place. They're kind of wavy. They look like a sine wave. How are you going to write on that? That is the way a lot of kids with disabilities see. That's part of the reason they have such a difficult time understanding what to do with paper. And why I talk about that today, I've been thinking a lot about what the kids are seeing and what it is that they can articulate back to us. So think about that as we talk today with my guest. Her name is Catherine McCord. She is coming from to us from Florida. And she says, from being the little girl who sold shares in her company and played HR, even firing her own mother, to traveling people operations, entrepreneur, and international speaker that she is now, Catherine has had a quite a journey. She has multiple physical and neurological difficulties, ranging from MCAS, okay, you're going to have to explain that one later, and seizures to bipolar and OCD, okay, we're going to have to make sure we clarify those in a little bit. I am successful with my diagnosis, not in spite of them. Whether it's revolutionizing HR tech, innovating DAI, recruiting, DEI, 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 (laughs) FC, Recruiting or HR for clients or for being the founder of the Neuroverse, a not-for-profit organization dedicated to building inclusion and elevating diversity, Catherine always brings everything back to her three missions, integrity, inclusion, and innovation. Welcome to the show, Catherine. How are you? Really? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. I actually am very wonderful today. Today has been a great day. And yesterday, last night was a great night. So I actually truly am wonderful today. It's a good day. Wonderful. So before we even go any further, MCAS? Yeah, that confuses a lot of people. They're like, what is this? It's mast cell activation syndrome. So essentially my body creates anaphylaxis for a lot of different stimuli. Things I, I shouldn't actually be allergic to, but for instance, I can hug someone with a certain texture of sweater and get a rash. And it's not even the actual material itself. It's just that it has overstimulated the wrong things. Different things that I eat can cause me all kinds of problems. And God forbid somebody puts on too much perfume or cologne. I am not in a good way. (laughs) And so it's, it's a very challenging diagnosis because you don't always know what's going to activate it. Mm -hmm. And I believe people have heard OCD before, but they don't always understand it though. People think, oh, we're all a little OCD. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> I tell people, no, you're not. Green. And, and and that's exactly what this <laughs> that's exactly what we're talking about is a whole spectrum of things yeah. from one end to the other. So go into OCD 
obsessive compulsive disorder just a little bit in your version of right. it. And well, and so in general, what it is, it, it's exactly that it is a compulsion. And so that's the difference. It's a difference between being a little bit nitpicky or liking things a certain way and having compulsory behavior. So you'll see things like actually a lot of people with OCD will do some stemming as well, but they do it in very particular increments, such as like one, two, three, four. They'll sit there and count things and, and touch them in a particular order. The way that mine manifests, I need to have things color categorized. I do everything in even numbers. If I see just one odd number, I malfunction until I see another odd number that can then equal an even number. And then I also have another big one for me is that the way that I wash my hands is extremely particular and I cannot vary from that or it just doesn't go well. So it's again, a compulsion that people have and that's it. And and that's kind of the difference. It's the difference between being picky and having a compulsory behavior. Yeah. So if I turn my webcam around and I show you my library behind me, you probably freak out. (laughs) (laughs) No, see, that's a common, that's a common uh, misconception too. So no, I, see a lot of disorder. It does not bother me. Um, if you could see, so my desk is actually pretty well organized, but if you saw the other section of this room, it's not so much. So it just kind of, again, everybody has different manifestations, different things that that click with them. I have known people that their house is meticulous, but then go look in their car, <laughs> you know, and it's like this whole other thing. So it's it's just different strokes for different folks. Yep. And the other acronym you put in the bio was DEI, which I flipped as I was yeah, saying. Yeah, no, that, that's okay. So, Diversity, equity, and inclusion is what that is. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. That's right. <laughs> and inclusion. But before we get started with that today, Dutter Educational Consulting is sponsoring today's episode. We offer a dysgraphia course. The course builds dysgraphia awareness and provides practical interventions and strategies for lesson planning for the regular ed teacher. And hopefully we can improve outcomes for those students and raise proficiency, boost engagement, and transform their life for years to come. Who should take this course? Like I said, regular ed teachers and anyone who is interested in more dysgraphia awareness. So if you go to sherrydatterer.com, you can uh, click on the courses button and it'll take you to my brand new platform that we have that located on. So without further ado, Catherine, tell us a little bit more than your bio. Tell us a little bit more about what you do with HR and inclusion, diversity and equity. I put them in different orders. That's okay. It doesn't matter. It's all the same stuff. It's fine. You're still communicating the same thing. So what I do is I've been doing HR consulting for the last nine years. So I go around and I help companies, especially startups and growth stage companies, either establish HR, revamp their HR. And I have a very innovative approach and a very inclusive approach. I've also helped companies completely redesign their policies and procedures for inclusion. And I have a specialty in neurodiversity, uh, which is basically a the shortest way to explain it is a medically visible and or diagnosable difference in how the brain processes information. Dysgraphia is one of these. Uh, you also have cerebral palsy and epilepsy on the medical side, traumatic brain injury, all the way over to obsessive compulsive disorder, bipolar, autism, dyslexia, ADHD, et cetera. 
And so I kind of specialize with that. And I do a lot of work helping organizations and individuals learn how to better take care of, embrace, and cultivate neurodiversity because it's not a deficit, it's just a difference. And it does have disability with it, but then there are also benefits as well. Johns Hopkins, uh, PLOS Genetics, and the National Institute of Health are just a few places that people can go to find research about that. So I spend a lot of my time speaking, teaching, and educating on these topics as well as, and this is part of that work, but a lot of the work I do now is centered around breaking the ego mechanism to respond in curiosity. Mm, very interesting. So you say that you help startups? Yes. With inclusion, with the policies and procedures. Do you ever get to go beyond just like the HR department and work with the employees themselves? Or are you specifically training the business staff and they have to filter down into the employees? Oh, I do both. I do both. So that's a good question, by the way. But no, I do. I do both. So I have both the uh, the HR and the leadership side and the making the policies and procedures, but then that trickles down into training everyone, working with everyone, making sure that everyone is on the same page with inclusion. And then they they take it from there once everybody's been trained that they kind of take it upon themselves to work with the new hires and things like that. But they also have recorded versions of my training that they can provide as well. Mm. Can you share one example of what that might look like if you're working with an employee and a supervisor to help them understand. Oh yeah. Especially with neuroinclusion, it gets really interesting because this is a newer concept and for, well, thousands of years now, we've been telling people with neuro differences that they're defective, they're wrong, and they just need to be quiet and normalize and try to be like everybody else. Well, now we've discovered how very, very wrong that is. And how if we actually support people in working in ways that are natural to them and healthy to them, they're more productive, they're healthier, they're happier. Who would have thought? Well, all of us on this, you know, on the neurodiversity spectrum would have, but not other people. And Hewlett Packard actually proved that. They have a beautiful neurodiversity cultivation program. I actually have stolen a few of their ideas, I don't mind saying, to uh, into my own, and I add to that as well, where they saw 33% increase in productivity by just supporting people in working ways that are that are natural to them. And now other large organizations are starting to adopt that. So a lot of things that I do are helping leadership communicate with team members that have neurovariances. And so it's really interesting because one of the most common concerns that comes up are conflicting neurodiversity. So you'll have one person that has a need, has one need and another person that has a need that seem conflicting. And that's very challenging. So for instance, if you have someone who needs to be able to look at people to help them maybe lip read or to, you know, for whatever their neuro needs are, that can help them kind of focus on a face. And then somebody else who doesn't like to make eye contact, that can be a little bit frustrating to have to work with, right? So, and it's different on video because you can use things like captions, right, to kind of help you out. But when you're in person, that can be a little bit challenging. And so we always start with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, which starts with biological needs like food and shelter and these kinds of things Then moves to safety and psychological and kind of goes up and up. And we start with that. That's always our priority pyramid. And I tell everybody, everybody's going to be included, but our focal point, our base point for finding the solution is whatever that, you know, that, that most primal need is. 
So if somebody, for instance, the issue is that they don't want to be, they can't be on camera because it can cause a seizure, then that person, that's their safety and their well-being and their biological health. So that gets a priority over someone who has a differing need to that. And then you just kind of build, build at it from there. So it's a lot of compromise, finding good solutions, but we always make sure that everyone is included. And we, but we always do start with the base need of actual biological safety and work up from there. And we also do a lot of of the curiosity work because that helps too. Because when people can ask the questions and not come from a point of ego and assumption, it really pivots how the work gets done and how the communication happens. Now, I am imagining like a factory floor at the moment. And I know I have a child who, if she doesn't eat small meals, it's not diabetic that she will pass out, but she will pass out. And I know a lot of places like Walmart, people work long hours before they get breaks. Factory floor, they work long hours before they get breaks. How are you sensitizing the management to those kind of things? If we're going to start out with the basic, we need food and or sleep. So sleep was the other thing I was thinking about is I love that Google has the quiet rooms that are on the S chairs that they can be back Mm -hmm. and and fall asleep for 20 minutes and then go back to work. And they have seen increase in production similar to what you described with Hewlett Packard. But how do you sensitize the factory manager about somebody who really does legitimately have issues that they they don't eat, they're going to be on the floor? This is an interesting one. And thank you for this question because it's it's a factor that a lot of people miss are these kind of more systematic jobs as opposed to the the white collar, quote, quote, uh, type roles. So with the systematic roles, one of the things that I work with them on is, okay, you are needing X amount of work done, correct? Right? We kind of do backwards thinking. This is the result that you need, correct? Yes. Okay. So that's the mission. That's the priority. Everything to get to that is flexible. But that is the thing that must get done. And we get that mentality right first. So they understand this is the mission, not all these other things that happen back here. This is it. This is the thing that matters. Then we're like, okay, we got that down. And then we start building up from that. Okay, so you have this break system. Why? Why does that have to be the way that this is done? As long as X number of widgets get made or whatever it is that they have to do, you know, why does this have to be this way? You know, and we we kind of work through that. We kind of process through it and we get to the logic of it and refocusing on not so much minutes spent standing there doing whatever, but the number of widgets made or whatever it is that they need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we focus on. So that's step one. Then it's bringing in the aspect of, first of all, can they maybe eat while they're working? Is that an option? Is that a thing that if somebody... Want even wants to keep working and just kind of have a little snack that they pop in and then keep doing their work. Is that something that is a possibility for them? If not, maybe instead of two 15 or 20 minute breaks, whatever it is that they do, they can have multiple, you know, five or 10 minute breaks. So if the total is 30 minutes, maybe we can have three tens or something like that so that they can have a snack, go to the restroom and then come back and do their work. And with a lot of clients, we end up eliminating the break system altogether. And it's, Here's your scheduled lunch. But outside of that, you're an adult human. As long as the work's getting done, we're good. 
most of my clients, I can get them to that point. <laughs> we can, we can kind of get there. The other thing is, again, the responding with curiosity. And so when somebody comes to them and says, I have this need, instead of saying, nope, sorry, that doesn't jive with what we do too bad for you. Number one, sorry, but legally you do have to reasonably accommodate them. <laughs> you, know, this is, you don't even get to be a jerk, even if you want to, sorry for you. But then also, well, not really sorry, but you know. And then on the flip side of that is the learning to respond with, okay, well, you know, I'm not used to that. Let's talk about this. Let's figure out a way that we can make this work. That's how you approach that. It's not the, I'm sorry, this doesn't work for us too bad for you. Mm-hmm. No, this is what this human needs. Too bad for you. As a matter of fact, you know, you need to accommodate this human. That is your job in leadership. And so then having them talk it out with them and find a solution. And then on the employee side, I coach the employees to always come with a suggestion. Like it doesn't have to be a concrete, this is how you need it, but just like a general, hey, I know we might need to be flexible for this. Here's my idea, you know, and kind of go at it from that standpoint. But that's how I work with the leaders to kind of break them down, help them understand what the actual mission is and keep the focus there and understand that all this other stuff is just noise and then focus on the flexibility and then also uh, responding in the curiosity to really help find the solutions for people and understanding their legal obligations. That's an important aspect too. Yeah. Have you seen more flexibility in management thought since COVID? So it's interesting because I would say that about 70% have gotten more flexible. The other 30%, give or take, have just dug their heels in and have actually gone backward because Mm. they are just determined to have things their way. And that's just all there is to it. So, so it's OCD really might be coming out in that 30%. <laughs> that's not, I don't even know if that's OCD. I think that's just egomania. That's just an ego defense that has just gone awry and has just been allowed to just run with, with whatever it is. But it is, it is very intense with those people. So I've seen both. I have seen a lot, which is wonderful, a lot more flexibility. And then I've seen a lot of people that just dig their freaking heels in. And what's interesting is a lot of the ones who dig their heels in are the ones who are the loudest saying, oh, we're so inclusive. And I'm like, yeah, no, you're not. No, you're not. You, you've, you've designed what you think inclusion is and in a way that's convenient for you and that works. And then you've just washed your hands of it. And that's not how that works. So it's, that's been a really, that's been a cool thing to watch and a frustrating thing to watch as well. So I'm going to take a moment and change hats just a little bit. And I liked that we were talking about workplace because I think teachers need to hear what it looks like out there in the world. Now, as we are looking at like a high school student who may or may not need the inclusivity in wherever they're headed to, it's something that a teacher could be very sensitive about as they are preparing that student for the workplace. And I want to go back. I'm always talking about my daughter on this podcast. My poor girl gets targeted a lot. But when she was in middle school, the reason I am sensitive about the food piece is because she needed food before lunchtime was going to arrive. And she had gotten a prescription from the doctor and how to do that 
It wasn't something that we could just do. We had to have a prescription from the doctor that said that she could have a snack between such and such period and such and such. I can't remember exactly what it was. It happened to be in her schedule around science and science had a back room. So she would go in the back room with an assignment from the teacher, quote unquote. And the assignment from the basically was go get your snack. (laughs) And so she was able to then not have to go down to a nurse and interrupt that because that was like halfway across. But what a ridiculous process. A ridiculous process to have to go through for that. Like, why not just let her eat? What what possible? No, I just, I need to like try to wrap my brain around this. What possible difference could it have made to just let this girl eat at her desk? While the teachers up there talking. Everyone would want to eat. So but, what? Like, but, first of all, so what? <laughs> first of all, how is that going to hurt you? Like, have these people ever been in a boardroom? Like, everybody eats at board meetings. <laughs> like, well, okay. Something. So let me just qualify. Science class. Yes, it was in middle school. So they weren't doing a lot of chemicals. But if we have dangerous chemicals that we are mixing well, that's in. different. Well, that's different. No, that's so, that's yeah. a practical difference. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that but like, yes, we're talking about high school yeah. class and, and maybe geez. mixing glue in your food is not a wise choice, you know, messy eaters. And this was before COVID. So, yeah, you know, insane. she was going through that, those grades in the early teens of 20. And that's what had to happen. Now she's still is at the point in her life where she needs those snacks. She needs to eat small meals all day long because she can't expand her stomach. Is part of the problem. Right. She can't expand her stomach enough to put a full meal in her stomach. Her stomach doesn't stretch. So, so, so my question is like, so I have a friend, Jerry Johnson, and she's a, an education consultant. She goes around and works with school schools all over. And I have another friend who's an HR director for a major school system in Texas. And we, we've talked so many times about how the issues we swear are the same at schools. Like it, students have the same nonsense being inflicted upon them that people have in the workplace. But it's worse because it's children that we're talking about and, and young people that we're supposed to be protecting and taking care of. And we're telling them that they don't belong. We're telling them that they can't have things that they medically need and we're making them jump through hoops. And so, so for me to, to relate to what your daughter experienced, I had, or I have a bladder condition that made me have to go to the bathroom just all the time. I go to the bathroom like way more than adults like should ever have to. Um, <laughs> constant bathroom needs. And I had teachers that didn't like it. Now I'm an unusually bold human. And part of that was how I was raised. And so when I had a teacher that would give me flack, I'd look at it and say, well, that, or I can pee on your desk. Like, take your pick. (laughs) I was just real bold about it. And so, and eventually they all came to understand that was a medical need. They just let it go. But what was frustrating to me was that everyone had been notified that I had this. Not that they should have to be. To me, if you have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. But they had all been notified and yet they still felt the need to make a scene. And this is a common occurrence. This is a common occurrence. And we're telling people things like you can't eat in an English class or a math class. Like, why not? There's literally no reason for this. Or honestly, neurologically, if they ate, they pay attention better. Exactly. 
Exactly. 100%. It actually helps take care of their minds. And then for the neuro kids, oh, I had, I had a very dear friend who had to fight for her child to be able to use an app on their cell phone because they have dyslexia and to be able to scan the page and read their work. And the school argued with this. And I'm like, what? And they said, yeah, we don't allow cell phones. I said, they're not playing on the cell phone. They're using an app to read the freaking, mm, you know, and it's just this really frustrating situation. And so the next kind of evolution actually, and, and these other amazing humans that, that I am very good friends with that we're going to be working on is a lot of neuroinclusive education in the school systems and coming in and saying, okay, all right, guys, we, we're making this entirely too complicated. Like just, just mm-hmm. calm the freak down. One of the main things that I teach in the workplace, and this would also apply very well for students. Um, and I even teach it to doctors. I've actually gone into medical practices and taught this is making accommodation standard options is that it's not, you have to jump through freaking hoops to take care of yourself. Here are some accommodations that we already think of that we know exist that are relatively common. And then here's a fill in the blank and you just tell us what you need and you get it. And it's that simple, <laughs> just mm-hmm. that freaking simple. And especially yeah. for kids, because what message does it send that you shame a child about what's going on with them biologically, neurologically, whatever it is? Why? Why would you ever do that to a child? That's just, but it they baffles me. But they do it all long and they don't realize they're doing it. That is part yeah. of the problem is it's happening because they are told this, 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 and this. So it, it's almost like this trickle-down effect where the rigidity starts at the top and it, the, I have you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to have all this paperwork done. And, and the demands on the teacher are so great. It's awful. That it's their awful mental state has not allowed them to be cognitively flexi- flexible. That's true too. Yeah, so absolutely. If they can't be cognitively flexible, how do they expect the kids to be cognitively flexible? Because they are pushing down. Right, right. The, and and the I, I, whatever you want to call it. I think that poor teachers, and I do have so much sympathy because especially now our education system here in the U.S. is just sad. It's, very, it's very all sad. over though. I, I keep hearing about other countries. It's just as bad everywhere else. Oh, no, uh, I just, I just, I, I'm only referencing this because this is the one that I know. I, I want to be clear about that. I, I only am referencing this one because this is the one that I know. And it's, it's bad and it just makes no sense. And the way that we're focusing on all the wrong markers and, and tests, just, it's silly. And I talk to a lot of educators about this frequently. But one of the things that we could be doing to make teachers' lives better and the students' lives simultaneously is the making accommodation standard options. For instance, it can be very distracting if you have an ADHD child who is constantly getting up, moving, tapping things, doing, doing, that's very distracting. So instead, take away the chair, give them a yoga ball to sit on, or they can just sit there and do this. Give them a fidget spinner because it actually helps them focus. And then they can listen to you and actually pay attention because the emotion yeah, that gotta, needs to come out of their body. Gotta watch, is- yeah. You got to watch what you're giving them. I had an adhd who, when I gave him the ball, he got so overstimulated from the bounce that mm. it totally negated the focus. And that's so, the you have to learn for the individual. I wouldn't say for yes. every child, do everything. It's not a, yeah. to your the, point, it's not a one size. I, I like the classrooms that have 
the variety of chairs. Some of our balls, yes. some of the are the accordion yes. chairs, some mm-hmm. are tilt stools and things like that, that the child can try them all Ooh. out, pick mm-hmm. the one that works best for them. And then that's the one they use. And if they have to change tomorrow, there's extra okay. that they can make yeah. a change for the day. And that's perfect because if you get somebody who has neurodiagnosis or any diagnoses that fluctuates, some days certain things may be comfortable and other days they may not, and they may have a completely different need. And so one thing I do tell people, and, and the example I gave was just a, for instance, for for, for certain people with ADHD, you have people with autism. They may want to use noise canceling headphones. There's also now earbuds, and these are so cool. I actually have some myself. They're called Loop, L O O P, and they are actually designed to help you focus just on the main conversation and to cancel out other noise. And they're wonderful for all different types of neurodiagnoses, very helpful. They're very comfortable to wear. You can adjust volume, things like that. Very, very cool. But just embracing these types of things with children, embracing PDF readers, embracing technologies like Grammarly. Uh, There's another wonderful technology out right now where uh, you speak and it not only takes down what you're saying, but it helps you realize themes of what you're saying, circle back. It gives you reminders. Hey, you said this. Did you want to go back to that? You know, it kind of helps you build. And so it's wonderful for people. What's the name of that one? (laughs) It's called Storied. They are actually friends of mine. S T O R. IED and their website is B B E storied with a D dot AI. And they are amazing. Um, and the technology, you can get a demo uh, account for free. And I think actually all the accounts are still free. I may be wrong about that, but it's an incredible technology. It really helps people organize and kind of get, get things going. And they have great ability to help out. So for people who you know, want to write an assignment, but writing is not the best thing to your point that you made at the beginning of this episode, a technology such as Storied is wonderful for them. And so building in these- Repeat the the website because I typed it and I want to make sure I did it right. Yes, it is bestoried.ai. So B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-D dot A-I. I I wonderful myself to remember to put that uh, link in the show notes. Do it. Yes. Amazing humans. And if anybody wants a personal introduction to them, please let me know. I think but I'm they're... going to circle back downstairs because she happens to be home today and tell ah. her about that one. And while we can still get a free account to uh, let her catch <laughs> on there real quick. They're amazing. It's an extraordinary technology. I'm so, and they're, it's so, designed she, by the yeah. neurodiverse for the neurodiverse. So she is working on her dissertation. They do it works on high level as well as like kindergarten level. Yes, responses. it does. I have used it myself. It is at perfect boardroom. People have used it literally in the middle of board meetings. It's 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 extraordinary. It's a, a wonderful technology. Huge fan. So for everything from little humans all the way up to the adult humans, it works. And so building in these accommodations to me is the best way to and to be open to them. I mean, the, the Department of Labor released a study saying 54% of accommodations are free. And there's another large percentage that are under $10. So why are we making them so difficult to access? Why? Let's stop it. Let's just make things simpler and happier and healthier. Makes life easier. And make teachers' lives easier. Poor teachers. I think we need to do everything to make their lives easier. They, they are so overworked. Uh, I, I don't know they how are. they get through the day. And it's no wonder they're exhausted when they get home. And then they have to grade papers. Um, I know. So they don't have time yes. during the day, which 
is really counterintuitive because they should be able to have the time in school to grade the papers before they come home. So I agree 100%. But but I want to circle back because I said another thing and I wanted to get some ideas from you about what what's out there that helps out. I mentioned sleep. I mentioned Google with the yes chairs. We have a lot of people that are neurodivergent that have difficulty sleeping at night. So we have short sleep. So they're coming into work tired. They want to lay their head down or that gets misinterpreted as they were out drinking the night before. Oh yeah. I've seen that. You know, when I, you know where I'm going? Yeah. Yeah those recommendations and for the workplace versus classroom, do you have any ideas and suggestions for the sleep issues? Yes. So first of all, a few things that you may want to try as an individual is doing some grounding work as you're going to sleep to focus your mind and your body. Learn some grounding exercises. There are some cool YouTube videos. You can reach out to me personally. I'm glad to share a list of some different things that I do that can help get your mind and body ready to go to sleep. Weighted blankets and pillows are hugely helpful for this. It helps calm your neuro processes. That's very nice. Also talk to your doctor before doing this, but consider melatonin. Um, And yes, you actually do need to speak to your doctor before trying melatonin because some people have allergies and things like that. Also, and it may or may conflict with the medicine that you're on, uh, but consider melatonin, maybe consider CBD, these types of things. But again, only when speaking to your doctor and then also things like the loop earbuds, there are versions of those that you can, you know, completely turn off sound that may help, but whatever it is that you need to do. And now when you get to work, my daughter just bought earbuds that are made for sleep. So she can put different earbuds in when she's sleeping that that don't stick out. They go right. along the ear canal and they come along the side of the ear so that, you know how sometimes when you're going to lay on the earbud, it yeah. pushes in the ear. Well, that's not good for your eardrum. Yeah. So there are new earbuds out that are also noise canceling that are out there. And I'd have to ask her what brand. But they're wonderful. Yeah. And there, there's one called Calmer, I think that that does that. They're really good, but there are some wonderful, wonderful accessories out there. So when you get to work, a couple of things that you may want to consider doing is when it's time to, to take a rest, finding a break area, having some noise canceling headphones and just resting, maybe even going to your car and catching a little bit, but don't be shy to tell people that you're having trouble sleeping nobody's going to think less of you. Everyone at some point in their life has struggled with sleep. Okay. Literally everybody. So nobody's going to look down on you. Nobody's going to think badly. Just tell people what's up, tell people what's going on. And you'll be surprised how often people will say, you know what? We've got most of the work done. Why don't you go home and take it? Go rest. Like it's okay. Go breathe. You will be surprised how much that type of thing happens. Teachers with your students. One suggestion is Teenagers, first of all, need a lot more sleep than most humans. They're they're growing and, and developing. Be open to supporting them having extra rest. Also, you don't know their home situation. Um, some of them may have to work until late at night because of certain things going on in their lives. And some of them may also have to get up super early to take care of siblings, that type of thing. You don't know what situation they live in. Maybe there's a reason they're not sleeping at night. Uh, maybe they're having to keep themselves safe. So give them a lot of grace talk to them and try to find resources for them. And if they keep falling asleep in class, 
don't shame them. Ask ahead of time if there's something that you can do to help before calling their parents because the parents may be the problem and just kind of reach out to them and and have a little bit of a conversation. But maybe you need to have a little like five minutes for them where they can step away. Yeah. <laughs> I but know. Just, you know I find hear, a solution, compromise. I hear multiple nurses say that 50% of the visits to the nurse are to take a 20 minute nap. Yes. Yeah. I've had a lot of school nurses say that over the years and just regular RNs say that they've heard, you know, that they get a lot of exhaustion in ERs. They get a lot of exhaustion, you know, it's a lot for teenagers sometimes and just their bodies, the way things are going can get kind of weird. So just, and like I said, you never know what's going on at home. So just give them a lot of grace. When my son was going through middle school, of course, they went from elementary starting an hour later. And then when they started middle school, they had to start an hour sooner because of the bus routes in the area. And I think that's typical in different areas of the country where they use the same bus for elementary. High school, they're not always on the same bus. Sometimes that isn't a a good thing to have little ones and big ones on the same bus anyway. But Michael was like, how can we make this a flip where the elementary kids, because when he was little, he was up and bouncing and, and, and getting up early. And then when they were older, they needed that extra hour of sleep. Right. And it, it's not as easy a suggestion because of after school activities. Because if then they start right. an hour later, then we're going into that later hour and it's kind of like backfiring because they're still only getting that same amount of sleep. But do you have any suggestions because of school having a concrete time frame? I would say with the concrete time frames, number one, I think a lot of it is going to fall onto parents to make sure that even their older kids are getting to bed at decent hours. There are a lot of people now that I hear talking about their their teens not going to bed until midnight, 2 a.m. Why? Why are they? What? No, I was always still in bed by, you know, 1030, maybe 11 when I was, you know, now when I was working some, it would be like 1130, but and that was about the latest. And that was only if it was work. So making sure that they still get to bed at a decent time, you know, and people say, oh, they have these phones. So take them away at a certain time. Say at this time, give me the phones. They go with me. You can have it back in the morning. Here you go. You know, it's sometimes you kind of have to help monitor them a little bit and help them teach to regulate themselves. So making sure that they do get to bed at a decent hour so they can at least get eight hours is huge at that age. Outside of that, I mean, there's not a whole lot the school can do. They've only got so much time in which to teach. Uh, But I would say for schools, you know, for lunch periods and things like that, have an area where kids can go take a nap if they want to have a quiet area. Most school buildings are big enough that there's at least one room you could dedicate for that. So if you can, make sure that you have that. But for regular teachers and everyday classrooms, other than just giving them grace, there's not a lot that you can do. That is a fantastic idea. Having a room near the cafeteria that has comfy chairs that the kids can go in, that the lights are down low, that they can just chill for a few minutes. Just relax. It's almost like recess for the teenager. That's exactly it. Yeah. It's the, it's except, yeah, for teenagers, they need to just be able to rest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, that's exactly the concept. Yeah. So, hey, we're getting uh, close to uh, the time we have to stop. I could go on for another hour having a conversation with you, but I know that you have a busy schedule and I don't want to keep you too long. 
Is there anything that you'd like to share before we close today, your website or anything like that? Yeah, I would just say if anybody wants to learn more about neurodiversity, you can reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn all of the time. Also, I do have the not-for-profit that I just founded. So we're just kind of getting the website really going. And that's at join the neuroverse n-e-u-r-o-v-e-r-s-e dot org so join the neuroverse.org and then you can also if you want to reach out to me about coming in and speaking or teaching you can go to kmccordspeaking.com lovely thank you thank you so much you've been listening to sherry daughter here at the writing glitch we release these episodes on the second and fourth tuesday of the month Please subscribe, write a review, and let us know what what you think of these interviews. Let us know uh, if there was any takeaway that made your day that was very helpful. You can listen to the podcast at thewritingglitch.com or wherever you hear the podcast apps. You know, there's always Apple, Google, and and Amazon. You never know where people are listening. So thank you very much for listening. And you remember you were put here for such a time as this. And thank you to CMC Productions for post-production of these podcasts.